I'm Jim Cameron, Jim Cameron Consulting, broadcasting from the Fountainhead, the home of Synergy Billing in Holly Hill, and I'm your host for Volusia Matters, news and interviews and matters that impact Volusia County directly or indirectly. Now let's get started with some news. The Lucia County government will receive $328 million in community development block grant disaster recovery funds from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. These funds are to be used for disaster relief, long-term recovery, restoration of infrastructure, housing, and economic revitalization in distressed areas. Now, HUD representatives will contact the county with additional details, and the county will then meet with cities, nonprofits, and residents to assess the community's needs for long-term improvement and investment. Once the plan has been drafted, there'll be public comment and resident meetings to provide feedback and recommendations. The proposed plan will come before the County Council for their approval and then it'll be submitted to HUD for execution. A longtime priority for Daytona Beach City officials is attainable housing. So, a community workshop is scheduled for Wednesday, March 29th, 6 p.m. at Daytona Beach City Hall. The city will be seeking public feedback on potential methods and policies to further encourage and support the creation of additional affordable units. Next item, newly elected District 7 Congressman Corey Mills held a town hall meeting in Deltona last week with approximately 100 attendees. Mills sits on the Armed Services Committee and Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, as for small business issues, he supports H.R. 159, Chance to Compete Act, and H.R. 400, Investing in Main Street Act, as well as others. He reiterated his support for H.R. 73, which states that Medicare and Social Security provide an essential benefit to current enrollees and should be strengthened for future generations. He supports H.R. 21, Protect Our Lands, to prohibit China from purchasing public or private real estate located in the United States. Our legislature in Tallahassee is working on something similar. Now, he also supports limits to draw down petroleum strategic reserves until the Department of Energy submits a plan to Congress to increase the percentage of federal lands to be leased for oil and gas production. Mills had strong reservations about increasing the debt limit unless spending cuts are approved. He explained in detail his support for Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker, and he also supported McCarthy's first order of business to suspend 87,000 
new IRS personnel. Now look for more details in my newsletter. And on a side note, our friend Debbie Phillips is now working as a field rep and office caseworker for Congressman Mills. She's working out of their district office at Port Orange City Hall. Now, at today's county council meeting, appointments will be made to the ECHO Advisory Board, Volusia Forever Advisory Committee, Planning and Land Development Regulation Commission, Halifax Area Advertising Authority, Southeast Volusia Advertising Authority, and West Volusia Tourism Advertising Authority. Now, look for these appointed lists in my next newsletter. Now, last week, Daytona Beach Shores Mayor Nancy Miller hosted her monthly coffee meeting with about 150 residents where Deputy County Manager Suzanne Conchin and Coastal Division Director Jessica Fentress provided a status report on hurricane recovery and the status of permitting for condominiums. And down the road on A1A, Pond Sinlet Mayor Lois Peritsky will host a coffee and cake and condo law program this Saturday, March 25th, 10 a.m. to 12 noon at the Pond Sinlet Community Center. Topic of discussion will be condominium legal matters. And across the county, the Berry Community Open House will be 9 a.m. on Saturday, April 1st, beginning at the Sunrail Station, 630 Charles Beale Boulevard in DeBerry. Now, regarding East Volusia roadway projects, a project development and environmental study and design is being done for the $340 million I-95 and US-1 interchange, which was part of Governor Ron DeSantis's Move Florida Forward initiative. The intent is to improve safety, accommodate future travel demand, and enhance pedestrian connectivity. Now, the Florida Department of Transportation will host public hearings regarding this project March 28th, 5.30. That'll be a virtual attendance meeting. And on March 30th, 5.30 p.m. at the chapel, on US-1 in Ormond Beach. Now on another FDOT project, improvements to East ISB will begin next month and should be complete by the summer of 2024. The project from Halifax River Bridge to A1A will mean wider traffic lanes plus a five foot wide bicycle lane and a six-foot and 10-foot wide sidewalks on either side. There'll be dedicated turning lanes at the A1A end and enhanced crosswalks at Halifax and Grandview Avenues. Improvements will also include resurfacing of the travel lanes, a raised median with landscaping, and upgrading the traffic signals at Halifax Avenue Peninsula Drive, Grandview Avenue, and A1A. Now, on the 2024 election front, current announced candidates include for Orange City Mayor, 
council members Kelly Marks and William Robert O'Connell for Ormond Beach Mayor, Commissioner Susan Persis for Ormond Beach Commission Zone 3, Barbara Bonarigo and for School Board District 2, Angela Kopnicki. And last week, I announced that Ormond Beach Mayor Bill Partington is running for House District 28, which is currently held by Representative Tom Leake. And Tom Leake is now running for Senate District 7. And next item, I'm sorry to say that former Representative Sam Bell has passed away last week. As a chamber lobbyist, I work with him extensively. He was a major force in the Florida House and was well-respected. And if you walk the hallways at the Capitol, you'll see pictures of Sam active as he was on the House floor. Sam will be missed. And before we interview today's guest, I'd like to put in a word about Fountainhead. Jason Myers Headquarters Campus in Holly Hill for Synergy Billing. This facility is on the site of the old Holly Hill Middle School, 1200 Center Avenue, just north of LPGA Boulevard. Synergy Billing, a medical billing and coding company, is just one segment of Fountainhead, and there's more to come, so stay tuned. And now for today's guest, County Council Chair Jeff Brower. Jeff is the chair of Lucia County Council. He was elected in 2020 to a four-year term. Previously, he was associate supervisor for Volusia Soil and Water Conservation District. He earned a bachelor's degree in agricultural science from the University of Florida. He's also a former Volusia County lifeguard He's the owner and operator of a landscape design build company, as well as a family-owned and operated organic farm. He moved to Leon Springs in 1980, and he and his wife, Terry, have nine children, four boys and five girls, including two who are active duty military. Okay, so... Jeff, we're sure glad to have you with us today. So tell us about how things are going with County Council. Things are going well. Thank you for inviting me. I've listened to your previous uh, podcast. I was wondering if you were ever going to invite me, but here, <laughs> here I am. Uh, things with the County Council are, are, are going well, honestly. It's, um, we've got seven very strong individuals with, with lots of opinions, lots of ideas. But the, the neat thing for me... and. I'm not sure any of us expected it. If you watched the first couple of meetings, there was a little bit of tension there because nobody knew what to expect with each other. Oh, yeah. But I think we have worked it out. There is vigorous debate, but it's respectful. There's been no um, screaming at one another. And and I have, I have seen people say, Santiago, um, Troy Kent, myself, that I've changed my mind after listening to the debate. And that's how it's supposed to work. It's yeah. a collaborative effort. It's supposed to be a, um, a, not just a, a group of people, but it's a team. And I think that's what's happening. That's where it's, it's um, 
it's taking a, a good life, I think, on its uh, on its own. Well, and, and, and being one at those meetings since 1983, I mean, yeah. I, no, I want to I want to congratulate. I mean, y'all have had some good meetings in those, so uh, yeah. you're doing a fine job in, in leading the, the council up there. So uh, uh, let me get into all right turtle nesting season as we know, is May to October here in Volusia, and that sea turtles are protected under the Endangered Species Act, and construction is supposed to cease. However, properties are trying to recover from these storms that we've had, and, uh, you know, as far as rebuilding their seawalls and other protections, and that county officials have been working with state and federal officials to get these rules somewhat relaxed. Yeah. What's going on with that? It, it's a hard slog. I, I think it's absolutely necessary that we allow these property owners, uh, we almost, well, let me complete my sentence because there's so much to talk about here, but we have to let these property owners protect their properties. Um, uh, we, I've watched homes fall into the ocean during the, the storms. A home that, yeah. that my landscape company had had landscaped I'm, I'm watching this wow. video on tv and i see these palm trees just go down the uh what used to be one of the most beautiful dune systems no seawall but about a 60 foot wide dune there was seawalls on either side which means the water just came in between those two seawalls and scooped his property he lost half his house it just dropped into the ocean mm. so DEP does a great job of protecting turtles. I think it's imperative that right now that we give as much preference to human beings to protect their property as we do turtles. So the truth is we can do both. It's not like they can they continue construction and all the turtles die. They'll, we'll have to check every morning and we'll be be careful um, to uh, because if if there's a, a a turtle nest that comes and the contractor says I'm just going to ignore that. That's a huge fine, and he will be found out because the turtle people patrol every day, and they locate the, the nest. So uh, we have to do it right, but we have to let these people. We're, we've got another hurricane season approaching. Yep. We've got to get done before then. We have, there's, there's not enough time. And right now, you know, when we turn a permit, if they get one thing wrong, with DEP, with, with these applications, it's kicked back. It's, it's a week or two weeks before mm. they can get back. And we don't have any weeks and two weeks left now. So we're really hoping, your question is what's going on? We don't have a final answer yet. Um, Susan, Suzanne Conchin, George, our whole staff is, is working hard with DEP to, to, to try and get them to, to, just to relax the rules. Um, during turtle season, I would, you know, we have a strong governor and the legislature listens to him. I'm asking that he would go to the DEP, go to his, to these bureaucracies that have important work to do and tell them humans are important too. You know, we can protect the turtles, but we got to protect the people too. And this is the barrier before A1A. You went to the A1, did you go to that A1A meeting where they're looking at what to do from Ormond to Flagler? Last week. Last week. Yeah. $100 million a stretch for a three-quarter mile stretch to put up seawalls to protect it. 
these these properties right on the coast before A1A, they're our barrier before. If we don't protect them and they come down, we lose A1A. And then we're talking about huge amount of money besides the, the properties that are lost. So we're working hard at it. I wish I could tell you that we've had an answer from DEP that yes, they're going to allow work to continue very carefully, inspected, um, but I don't have that answer yet. So we're still working on it. Well, we appreciate you know everything you're doing in that regard there. Uh, another item that y'all been talking about that quite a bit, uh, no secret that Volusia is trying to catch up with infrastructure yeah. needs, particularly roadways. And recently, county council, y'all increased impact fees mm -hmm. in different areas, including thoroughfares. Right. So uh, are we catching up? No. <laughs> uh, we're not. And the impact fees won't do it. They haven't been in long enough yet to bring in yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's really difficult to catch up. And we're working on a, a backlog since World War II. When we came out of that war... And we had been through a depression and we looked at all that situation and said, let's not go back to a, another depression. How do we get out of it? And the decision was made to build, to build, to build. And we did. And we built the greatest nation on earth. I mean, it's a success story. But now all of that building that we did, um, the, the, uh, the price tag has come due for maintenance. We've got to maintain all of that infrastructure, all of those buildings. And so we've got this huge backlog of, of maintenance, plus all the new stuff that's coming along. And what Florida's growing rapidly, as you know. We're one of the, maybe the most popular state in, in the country. I'd say so. Uh, because we're, we still have freedom here. And we've got a, a governor and a legislature that's trying to protect that freedom. So people are moving in. I hope they. I hope all the people from New York and New Jersey that are moving here aren't bringing the New York politics that want to raise our taxes. And <laughs> um, but there's so many people coming here. It's so. So the county has a maintenance program, and we we have to keep up with that. We're constantly maintaining roads. Um, but there's some things, Jim, that I believe that we have to do differently or, or the answer when you ask me next year, are we making progress? I'm going to have to say no again. It just keeps stacking up. We have to look at the way that we're developing, where we're developing, and how do we pay for that infrastructure. Um, now, this is controversial, but it's I, I've been talking with a developer about this who came to me and said, Jeff, we can't keep doing these big housing development where every, all the taxpayers in the county build the roads, build the sidewalks, build all the infrastructure, all that with roads come stormwater projects, which we desperately need, and, and have everybody pay for that when we're not maintaining the roads that, that people are dealing with now. We need a, 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 Volusia, a Volusia first policy where we're protecting the people that, that live here now. She said, so... His idea is that, uh, and from a developer, that if a development wants to be built, they build their own roads and they maintain their roads. And I said, well, they're not going to like that because all the houses in there are paying property taxes, which are, which are supposed to cover that cost. And he said, yeah, uh, that's true, but it doesn't work that way. It doesn't cover the cost. So we have to look at 
different ways to pay for that. Development, you know, uh, Ryan Osowski, who I greatly yeah. respect, our chief financial officer, wrote a 10-page uh, paper my first year in office through, at budget season when we're looking at do we have to raise taxes or not. And the point of his paper was to show that um, our growth rate building development doesn't pay for itself. Development just doesn't pay for itself. Um, and one of the reasons is because um, there are answers to this. One of them is where we develop. If we would change some of that and, and stop filling in uh, uh, necessary wetlands that are then creating water problems, um, it would be less expensive. We have to be more discriminating on, on where we build and how we build. We have to look at things like uh, low impact um, development, which we might have time to talk about in, in, in a minute. But mostly uh, looking at our priorities of where we're spending money, uh, just as a, as a for instance, um, you probably know I was opposed to the Pioneer Trail I-95 interchange. And I'm not against interchanges. Um, I, I wanted US-1 done first. And now we now there's money being brought in to do US-1 too. That still doesn't make me say, okay, well then let's go ahead with Pioneer Trail. And the reason is, is because the whole purpose of that interchange there is so that we can develop everything west or east of 95 all the way up to Spruce Creek, which is already an impaired waterway. A lot of that is is wetlands, but it's all watershed for the creek. And it's going to be very expensive for taxpayers if we do develop that area. I just, I don't think it should be done. Now that makes me really unpopular with, with some developers. I'm not against developers. I'm against doing things that are going to give an insurmountable um, tax burden to future generations. I think we have to protect the people that live here now and, and give them a future. So um, we, we have to have priorities. LPGA um, 44 into, from our, our Western Gateway into Deland, Deltona. There has to be priorities where we, where we improve road systems. LPGA is probably the most glaring example in, in this area. Um, Especially the Little Tomoka River Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but let me give you some good news. We're sitting in synergy. This is, I believe, is an example of how we should be developing here. I want to, I want to choose, this used to be a school. Yeah. Elementary school. Holly Hill Middle School. Holly Hill Middle School. Um, ran its course. It could have, what normally happens in Volusia County is this land would have been taken and we build, pack as many homes in here as possible. I think one of the things we need to do is take our focus from so much development of single family houses to commercial, to help relieve the tax burden from the residents that already live here. But we need jobs. We need better paying jobs. Synergy is providing that. This is an example to our whole community. Come in and redevelop an area um, for the purpose of providing better jobs, higher paying jobs, steady jobs. And, and now their phase two is to do uh, attainable housing, right? Yep. For, for people that work here, for community. That's, that's how we should be looking at situation. No, no neighbor, my opinion, 
no neighborhood should be forced into dramatic change all at once. But on the other hand, no neighborhood can be immune to not having any change. I think we should always take the next incremental um, step to what makes sense for that neighborhood. Like right here, commercial in a residential area. Now putting um, attainable uh, housing that the people that work here can afford. We've got a tremendous workforce in the hospitality industry that can't afford to live here. Yep. We've got to find housing for them. And so we can do that through simple zoning changes, not dramatic changes where we're wiping out neighborhoods and, and making them, you know, projects, but where we where we change zoning to maybe let tiny homes or somebody convert their home to a duplex where an older couple can can earn some money from that and, and not lose their house when now that they're on retirement on a limited income. They can enclose a carport and rent it to a young couple or a young person just starting out. Just simple things. They, I, I hear all the time, well, I do hear all the time from a very few people, you know, that NIMBY, not a month. No, don't ruin my neighborhood. That doesn't ruin it. It's happening all over the country where those things are very carefully taken, little tiny incremental steps, and it actually improves in the neighborhood. You get young people in there mixed with older residents. They can learn from their wisdom. Us older people can learn from younger people. What, you know, these people have ideas too. Uh, they're very, we and we need to be able to keep them up. So anyway, you got me. You you got me. Going. But this is <laughs> no. again. This is a prime example of what's happening right here where we're sitting. That I think everybody in the county should look at. And you're going to see more from Synergy Fountainhead. And you'll see more in the future coming. You know. Uh, at the state of the county luncheon, you had mentioned about the coastal construction control line as it relates to. State Road A1A, and can you elaborate a little, little bit more on your remarks that day? Yeah, I, I get a lot From of soil emails. and water conservation district. I believe it is they're recommending that. Soil and water conservation has recommended that. Um, I think the way that they first recommended it, the chairman uh, uh, Wendy Anderson has has changed that a little bit to be because she's talked to the community. She she's she she's a, a, a an intelligent woman and she's talking to the people in the community how can we really get this done because it's one thing to make a, a bold uh, proclamation you know want to do this that's if it's impossible then you just wasted your time um, so, so here's the issue we, we had these hurricanes two in a row back to your first question about beach construction you know between Nicole and Ian we had what, almost six weeks and we couldn't get a permit for anybody to put up even a temporary seawall. They let them put those little four-foot cardboard waste of money things that the first set of waves took down. Yeah. We lost properties. The house I told you about that I watched go down, that happened after the second hurricane. He could have, we could have prevented that, but we couldn't get the, the permits. So uh, the coastal um, construction setback line, I'm not sure it's ever been really enforced. There's supposed to be a, a certain amount of feet from the mean high tide mark that where you can have construction. I'm not sure that's, but I, I can't change that now. So what I want to do is look at it and say, and ask the question, because I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but we need to ask the question, do we move that further west? 
Um, and there's even been a suggestion made, and honestly, I, I kind of like this. I, I won't see it in my lifetime, but do we move uh, future construction from the east side of A1A to the west side of A1A? That's a huge step. We have to protect the people's property rights that own own uh, buildings there now. I There's just no way to get around that. But um, if you think, if we had a 100-year plan, um, uh, Fort Lauderdale did. If you go to Fort Lauderdale, there's nothing east of A1A. It's, right. it's a huge, wide beach. Uh, we have to protect the rest of that peninsula. And maybe, maybe that's the answer, is that we move construction to the west side. If we, if we started heading in that direction, if the community decided, imagine what would happen to the property values on the west side that are mostly mom-and-pop uh, motels, restaurants. I mean, it, it would build wealth for them because their properties would, would increase in value um, tenfold, maybe a hundredfold. And uh, it, would, it could be an exciting process where we protect, you know, I, I have friends that own motels on the, on the east side. We have to protect their properties. Um, so I just, I want to have the conversation. Here's the place to, to start it. Uh, I'm looking for my, on April 12th at 5.30 p.m. at the Yvonne Scarlet Golden Cultural and Education Center. That's uh, 1000 Vine Street in Daytona Beach. The Daytona Beach Commission has invited uh, Dr. Robert Young. He's from the Western Carolina University's Program for the Study of Developed Shorelines. He's going to come and do a presentation about what he sees happening because it's not just Virginia, north to South Carolina. They're all going through this. Um, he's, he's going to talk about um, sea level rise. Um, he's going to talk about controversial things, but we have to have the conversation um, of, of what happens, what do we do in the future to, to protect. If, if the sea level is rising, is rising, I think it's hard to deny that now. The question is, is that permanent or is it cyclical? Uh, which is what I tend to believe, like climate change. We see things change all the time. So I, wanted, I don't want to start a radical policy that ends up wasting money on something that's a temporary problem. That's the beauty of local government, is we can make local decisions and then be nimble in two years. If, if we made the wrong policy or is it, it's, it's really not needed, you change it. Like I'm in private business. You go to a customer and they change what they want to do in the middle of a plan, we go back to the office, redesign it, and two hours have, a, have an answer for it. In government, you want to change anything? It's a two-year process to yeah. get it. To, you know, back to your first question. So <laughs> please, I, I want the public to, to go to that meeting. Let's listen to what he has to say um, and, and start that discussion. I'll mention that in a future podcast and I'll make before then. So sure, be glad to. I went and heard him at, he came to Stetson and I went and got and heard him there. It was a very abbreviated meeting, but he's, and the Stetson faculty members are, are right on board of it. That's why I said at the state of the county, we need to listen to these people um, and hear what the problem is. And then we can come up with solutions that actually deal with the, the issues at, at hand instead of just throwing mud at the wall and hoping something sticks. Well, so. like I say, let's see what happens there. Yes. And then uh, also at that luncheon, during your address, you had uh, expressed some concern for Volusia waterways. Can you provide more details? 
Yeah, it's really the same thing. We need to we need to look at the issues because there there are issues. Um, I think I mentioned there that every one of our rivers in Volusia County are in the impaired um, waterways list. Um, doesn't mean that they're you can't touch them. It just means that uh, it's a wake up call. It's an alarm. They're in trouble. You got to correct it now. The Tomoka River, the Halifax River, that's part of the Indian River Lagoon, the uh, St. John's River, one of two rivers in the United States that flows north, an important river, beautiful river, and even Spruce Creek, all impaired. And it's because of the runoff that goes into these rivers. I, I had a, uh, a meeting yesterday in, in Edgewater with, with homeowners with a new development built on wetlands. It's eight feet of fill, and now their neighborhoods are being, filled, uh, are being flooded. Um, but I learned there, and I'm gonna, I've asked the, the mayor, Diesel Depew of Edgewater for specific information. They're still dumping a lot of partially treated um, affluent into the Halifax River, into the Indian River Lagoon, substantial amounts. And it's all approved by the EPA, but the problem is, is that it just keeps stacking up. Yeah, it's improved levels of nitrogen and phosphorus, but it just continues to accumulate in, in that lagoon. And you see what's happening. The seagrass has died. Um, you know the restaurant Dixie Crossroads in, in Titusville, very popular restaurant. Oh, yeah. I sit on the Indian River Lagoon Council, and we had a, a, a meeting down in South Florida at the... Um, forget the name of the research facility I might remember it in a minute but but anyway there was public was there um, uh, lots of educational people and and um, the owner of, of that restaurant was there and she and I were walking from one venue to another we're looking at all the research they're doing and um, I, you know I acknowledged that I knew who she was and loved the restaurant and I said how's it going she got tears in her eyes. She didn't bawl, but she got tears in her eyes. She says, Mr. Brower, I've owned that restaurant for 40 years. I've had to completely change my menu. So the things that we used to serve, I can't even get anymore because it's not available in, in the lagoon. But I said, worse than that, I can't get fin fish um, anymore. I said, what do you mean fin fish? She said, fish with fins that, that we catch offshore. Uh, you go 60 miles out, 80 miles out to the steeples, one of my favorite places. The fish aren't there. The the um, the the fish that we the the snapper the yeah. the swordfish the all the things that we love. And I said, well, what does that have to do with the lagoon? And she said, the lagoons are nurseries. So they're not laying their eggs out there eighty miles offshore, thirty miles offshore. They lay them in the lagoon. The eggs hatch. The fish grow up a little bit, and then they swim out there. They're not there anymore in the lagoon. The eggs aren't hatching. They're they're dying. Their pollution is is so it's at such a level now that they won't survive. So it's it's affecting our our ocean. We cannot ignore it. And I know I'll get criticized for being a tree hugger. Uh, and I I don't care anymore. Yeah. Call me whatever name you want. I love this place. You love this place. I have nine kids. Uh, we all have families. I want him to be able to stay here and raise his family. And he won't do that if we've wiped out our water supply and it's not safe anymore. We have to be responsible. And, and there's so many things that we can do. The, the low impact development, 
The, our, our biggest problem is stormwater runoff going into these. We can't, we can't pump our water into these water bodies anymore. And there's ways to protect it. There's ways to treat it that aren't expensive. We can treat it naturally with lagoons and plants and, and um, uh, even re keeping our wastewater treatment plants repaired because they, they break. Things break over time. And we've got pipes underground that are... 40, 50 years old that are breaking and, and spewing, you know, raw sewage underground. It ends up in the, in the waterway. We have to maintain those. We have to find ways to improve them. We have to stop uh, Brevard County from, from dumping uh, 9 million gallons of raw sewage, you know, before storms. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not just us. It's a statewide problem. It, it's a huge problem. And I don't want to sound depressing, but... We have, we have to work together here, and we have to work together as, as a state. It's all one lagoon. It's all one ocean, and we're, we're affecting it. we got to start now. You're asking me questions that I could go on and do <laughs> forever, so I'm going to cut no. it short there. What, I hope what we get out of this is that the, the community needs to, to talk and come up with solutions that are affordable and really do something to protect our future. Well, let's say this. Jeff, we're sure glad to have you with us today, though, on uh, Volusia Matters, and we look forward to having you more so in the future. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'd like to thank today's guest, County Chair Jeff Brower, for joining us. And I also want to announce that as of this minute, the U.S. debt stands at $31.5 trillion, and it's growing every minute. Now, look for a new podcast episode to be released next week, and the views expressed on this podcast may or may not necessarily express the opinions of Jim Cameron Consulting. And for more news, check out my newsletter, which is emailed each month, and if you're not receiving it, please call me at 566 2140 and if I miss your call and not return it eight business hours I'll pay you $1,000 and listen for my seven minute legislative recap broadcast this Friday March 24th where I'll focus on bills in the House and Senate one more thing I'd like to get your feedback on this podcast so please email or text me your comments and before I close, I'd like to ask you that you support my good friends, Kurt and Charlene Greer and Jeep Beach. It's coming up. This is Jim Cameron signing off, saying peace, love, and roll tide. <laughs>